Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm not going to sing for you. How could I follow up those amazing vocals, amen? What a wonderful time of worship together. I'm so glad to have you here tonight celebrating our beautiful Jesus, amen, born in a manger, and I'm so glad that you're here tonight, and I know there's no mistakes that you're in the room, and when you're always in the room, God has a special word for you. So I want you to know that you've been prayed over, and I believe that what you're supposed to hear is going to change your life tonight. And that has been our heart's prayer. And so I have uh, this moment to share a short message with you. And the uh, title of my message tonight is called, A King Like No Other. How many know we serve a king like no other? And we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he was born during the time in the reign of King Herod. And there were wise men that came to follow to find Jesus. And these wise men were very wealthy, they were highly educated, and they were Gentile men. And they came to find a king, and they acknowledged this baby child as divinity and as God. And I want to start by reading tonight in Matthew chapter 2. And it's already, I believe, Pastor Paul read it, but we're going to read it again. And it starts out and says this. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with great joy. And I want to share there for just a little bit as to why they were filled with so much joy. Because we know the whole story. But at this point in the story, they were waiting for the fulfillment of a prophecy of a savior that would save the world you know they were living under the law they were living under sacrifices to get to God they had no relationship with God they couldn't commune with God there was no revelation there was no presence of God and all of a sudden this prophecy of over 700 years is being fulfilled in this very moment how many have a word from God that when it gets fulfilled there's joy that comes into your heart amen when God answers our prayer there's a joy that comes and so these wise men have heard about this prophecy for all of these years they've read about it and this story is about to come true everything that they've heard about is happening and in verse 11 it says they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him I want you to say that with me tonight say bowed down and worshiped him then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh. And I'm only going to touch briefly on two of them, and we're going to go into the third one a little deeper this evening. But the first one was frankincense, and it represented Jesus as the great high priest, making intercession for the saints even today. How many are thankful that we have a risen Savior, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father this very moment, and he's making intercession for you. There is no greater attorney than Jesus. Amen? I want Jesus on my side when there's some battles to be fought and so there was that and then they gave the gift of myrrh which symbolized the suffering of Jesus on that cross and laying his life down and him being the Lamb of God but there was this third gift that they brought that I really want to speak to today and it was gold and we want to talk about this gold because if you study the history of gold in that in that time it was very scarce and gold was very valuable and the gift of gold was only meant for a king the gold was meant for a king it's symbolizing that jesus is king there's a king like no other 
It symbolized that Jesus is royalty. He's not just a baby in a manger. He is the king. It was a gift of honor, amen? It is a long-lasting gift. The gold represented Jesus as king that sits on an everlasting throne, and I'm so thankful for that. So the wise men bought gifts that were fit for a king. Jesus is a king like no other. And 1 Timothy 6.15, I love this translation. Apostle Paul was speaking to his protege, Timothy, and it said this, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed. How many know at the right time in your life, Jesus is going to be revealed? You may wonder, where are you at, God? Where's my answer? Where's my promises? Kind of looks like you're not there for me, but just at the right time, Jesus is going to reveal himself to you. Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God. Listen, he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of all lords. There's no other way to emphasize that. Jesus in the manger is the king of kings and the Lord of all lords. There's a lot of kings in this world. There's a lot of culture in this world. There's a lot of things that would try to determine higher than God, but Jesus is the king of all those kings. Amen? That word king there means he's the foundation of all power on earth and in heaven. The word Lord there means he's the master and he's the owner. He's the supreme authority over all the kingdoms of the world. This is King Jesus, a king like no other. How many are so thankful to have a king in charge of the kingdom of this world? This world needs a king. This world needs hope. This world needs a savior. This world needs a redeemer. And Jesus came and did that for us. The Jews, expecting a king, expected a king to be born in a palace. They expected a king to be surrounded in wealth and luxury and comfort. I suppose they thought that the baby's manger, if it was going to be a king, would be wrapped in purple satin and purple lining, smelling good and looking good, right? Feeling fresh. That's what the Jews thought a king would look like. No one expected a king to be born in poverty, in a cave or around farm animals. They didn't expect the Savior, the Messiah, the King to be born to the son of a carpenter or to be born in a little town called Nazareth. Do you know, even Nathaniel in the Bible said, can anything good come from Nazareth? How many know of a little town like that? I don't know. Can anything good come from my family? I don't know. Can anything good come from my lineage? I don't know. Can anything good come from my parents that raised me? I don't know. But I serve a king like no other. And, and if you study Nazareth, it only had about 400 people in it. And listen, it only had one public bathroom. There's a problem there. Ladies, we all go together. Come on. We're in trouble if we got to go to the bathroom because there's only one in the town, right? It was a small basin surrounded by hills, and it was hard to get to. Nazareth wasn't a glamorous place, but Jesus came, became all man, all flesh to become all king. Amen? No one predicted that the Son of God, the King of glory, would befriend prostitutes or touch leopards or love the re that the religious people rejected. He was a king. No one ever imagined he'd choose uneducated fishermen or despise tax collectors. We all hate tax collectors. They are of the devil. We will give that to them. Sorry if you're a tax collector. Nobody expected him to love the rebellious troublemakers and turn them into disciples for him. God always goes after the ones that are unlikely, doesn't he? 
a king who would forgive a woman caught in the very act of adultery that the law said should be stoned. A king that showed grace to a woman at the well and gave her hope to win her whole city for him. At the same time, he confronted hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He overturned tables of the people misusing the temple for their personal profit. They never imagined a king, a Jewish king, to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. They never imagined that those cheering him on would be the outcasts, the immoral, and the rejected. No one expected that this king would stand trial for crimes that he did not commit. No one ever imagined a king, an innocent king, would be beaten or scourged or bruised or whipped or stripped naked, hanging on an instrument of torture, hanging on a cross as a slave, this king dying a criminal death that he didn't deserve to die. Why people mocked him and spit on him, and in that moment while he was suffering it, all the sin of mankind, of yours and mine, upon heavy upon his heart, he looked up into heaven and he prayed for mercy for you. He prayed mercy for those who were torturing him. He cried out in that moment, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They offered him a drink to lessen the pain of his suffering, and he rejected it. He was full of the agony of the sin of the world when he said to his father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he looked up to his father and he said, it is finished. No one expected the king, the one who was ruling and reigning, would come to die. No one expected when he breathed his last breath that the earth would shake and grow dark and the world would lose all of its hope. No one would have believed that the royal man would be buried in a borrowed cave. But no one expected that three days later, women would show up to check on the tomb and would find the stone rolled away and the body was not there. The king has risen from the dead. And he sits at the right hand of the Father God Almighty. Listen, that tomb is empty. Jesus has risen. He is a king and he is alive and he sits on the throne today. We serve a risen Savior. We celebrate the birth of that Savior, but we celebrate more of what he did on that cross for us. And I want to tell you about a king like no other. I want to look at this story briefly. Centuries, in the very first century, I'm going to share with you three responses that you will see that they responded to Jesus as king. And even though these responses were over 2,000 years ago, as I began to look at these and examine them, I thought it's the same way that many of us respond to Jesus as king today. And I'm going to ask you if we can have courage tonight and be honest tonight and say, where am I at in these three responses to Jesus as king? because I believe we will find ourselves in one of these places. And my prayer is that you will open up your heart and you'll have an honest conviction of the Holy Spirit tonight. You know, the only one who can bring you to Jesus is the Holy Spirit. I, as a person, cannot bring you to Jesus. Humans fail us all the time. The church fails us all the time. Holy Spirit will never fail us. And the Bible says he's the one that convicts us of sin. Only he can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can draw you by his spirit, and I believe he's here to do that tonight. 
So let me ask you these three questions. Number one, the first response to Jesus as king, Herod opposed Jesus as king. And I want you to get this because he wanted to guard and protect his kingship. He issued a decree to kill all of the boys, execute them under the age of two. He heard that there might be a king, listen, that threatens his kingdom. There are times when God comes into our life and it threatens our kingdom. It threatens our ways of life. I don't want to mess with Jesus in my life. I want to do things my way. I don't want religion. I don't need organized religion. I can find him on my own. Don't say amen to this. I don't, I don't need it. I want control of my decisions. I want control of my life. Human nature is I don't want nobody to tell me what to do. I'm going to do it my way. And you may not think of that as opposing King Jesus, but whether you realize it or not, you are. Because when he comes to visit your life, the Holy Spirit will come with that beautiful conviction and we have a choice to say, no, I don't want him in my life. I don't want him messing with my kingdom. I don't want him messing with my, my convictions. I don't want to change the way that I live. Opposing King Jesus. Maybe Jesus seems like he's not cultural or relevant today. The word of God is just an outdated book that needs to be updated. Opposing Jesus as king. Then there was a second group that I think is common today. They didn't oppose Jesus. They didn't say, no, I don't want him. But number two, the Jewish priests dismissed him as king. It was quoted in the Old Testament in Micah 5, verse 2. This is so powerful. It was prophesied that the ruler, the ruler would come from Bethlehem. Do you know that these priests were only five miles away from Jesus? They were so close to him, but they dismissed him. So many of us in this room, so close to him. Jesus is so close to you, he's not far away, and yet we dismiss him. We don't oppose him, but people may come to you and say, hey, you want to come to church? I want, I want you to experience the presence of God. I want you to experience hope. And we're like, nah, I'm good. I want you to come. I want to have you hear the word of God. I want you to read the word of God. It's living. It's powerful. It's a love letter. It offers life and freedom and hope, and it'll change your life. I'm good. We dismiss him. I want you to be a part of a mission, a church that shares the love of God and the hope of God to a broken world. I want you to be a part of that. I'm good. We dismiss him. Yet, on Christmas, it's so easy. We have no problem. Not that there's anything wrong with it. We have no problem running to grandma's house, opening the gifts, getting the popcorn tin cans out having a good meal, invite Santa in our house. But we don't invite King Jesus. We dismiss him. We can celebrate all the other wonders, but we dismiss the Savior. Amen. The third one, which is I believe where you're at tonight, and we're going to give you the opportunity, is the wise man bowed to Jesus as king. The ultimate response and awe and honor to the God of heaven is humbleness. The highest form of worship is to bow down. 
I'm going to ask little Evie to come forward. And I am not going to bow down because I don't think I could get back up, just so you know. But I asked sweet little Evie to show us what bowing down to Jesus is in worship. The highest honor you can give a king, the highest form of worship is bowing down. It's a humble posture of surrender, of saying, not my will, but your will be done, Jesus. I don't get it all, and I don't have it all figured out, and I'm confused about some things, and I'm kind of frustrated with some things, but Jesus is looking for this posture of humility that's all he's looking for. He's not looking for perfectionism. He's looking for humility. I'm asking you tonight, what is your response to the king? Do you oppose him and say, I don't need him right now. I got this. You might not call it that way, but the way you live your life, that's what you're doing. I'm good. I don't need Jesus right now. I said something so stupid when I was young. I said, when I'm ready to serve you, God, that was funny. He's like, well, I'm standing at your door right now. I'm ready. Are you? You know? You don't realize that you're opposing the very greatest gift that's going to bring you joy back, give you hope back, give you peace back, give you reason for living. The world wants us to oppose it because we don't understand. Do you know anything the mind doesn't understand it criticizes? Or do we dismiss them? It's a good story. I'm a CEO Christian. I won't go down that road. I'll be nice. Right? Maybe we grew up in the church. I did. That's good for some people, but I'm just going to dismiss him. Or are we going to bow down and worship the king? Is he the king of your heart? I say this in my church. Is he Lord? Because Lord sits on the throne. He sits on the throne of your heart. If you could give a big thank you to Miss Evie. Thank you, sweetheart. I want to share this really briefly. When I was a kid, I grew up in a Christian home and probably with a little bit more of uh, rules and expectations because my parents were first-generation Christians. And so, you know, I had to come to a place in my own life with Jesus that I had to humble myself. doesn't matter what age you're at today. You can't come under your parents anymore. you got to come into your own position with the Savior. And you have to choose, am I going to oppose him? Am I going to keep being miserable? Am I so close to him? I'm like five miles away and all I got to do is just reach out and he's there. Am I going to keep being distant or am I going to humble myself and say, I need a savior. And at 17 years old, I knelt in the back of a church and I gave, made Jesus the Lord of my life. My parents weren't there. Nobody was there. It was me and Jesus. And he said, are you ready to serve me? And you know what I said? Let me think about it just a second. <laughs> because I knew what it was going to take to serve Jesus. I knew the friends I had to walk away from. I knew the places I wasn't going to go anymore. I knew the commitment to the word and, and learning who God was in my relationship with Christ. And I had to weigh that cost. It's not always the easy one, but Jesus carried the price so that we can receive the free gift of eternity with our Savior. And not only a distance off, I'm so thankful I'm going to heaven, but I'm more thankful that I have a Savior that walks with me every day of my life. He's my hope. He's my joy. 
And at 17, I surrendered it all. I said yes to Jesus, and I'm still serving this amazing king, and I'm still following this king, and it's not always perfect. And some of you here tonight, there's a longing on the inside of your heart, and you think, how could Jesus ever do it for me? I want you to know Jesus came for people who can't get it right. Jesus comes for the guilty. He comes for those who are full of shame. He comes for those who have marriages that didn't make it. He comes for those who have substance abuses to get high and to get low. He has meaning in wrong places of your life. Some of us go to bed longing for something more. What is this thing? I'm going to tell you it's Jesus. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the hole on the inside of your heart. And that's why little Evie, I brought her up because Jesus says you have to have childlike faith. And there's such a beauty when we can come as a child. If you're hurting and feeling empty, he's there for you tonight. And I want you to know this. He loves you right where you are at. You don't have to change a thing. He loves you right where you're at. Making him Lord. My dad invited Jesus into his heart when he was 24 years old. A drunk walking to the altar of a little Baptist church. And years later, children serving God. I'm serving God. The children's children and grandchildren serving God. Because one man said yes to a king like no other. A drunk man walking down an altar call said yes. And generations were changed forever. Jesus wants you. Is there something drawing you? Are you aching for more? <laughs> the king stripped himself from the glory of heaven, took on the sin for you and for me. I want to tell you this. He's not a distant, uninvolved, angry king. He's not a judge. He's not the man upstairs. He's not the big guy in the sky. He's not your homeboy. He's a king like no other. He is the king of glory. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of ages. He is the king of kings. He is the king that heals the sick. He opens the blind eyes. He heals deaf ears. He strengthens the weak. He delivers those that are captive. He restores the broken. He's a shelter in time of trouble. He's the light in a dark world. He's the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God, the Alpha and the Omega. He's the resurrection and he's the life. And I want you to know that at the name of Jesus, darkness trembles. In his presence, demons flee. Jesus is the King of Kings and he wants you to know him. This isn't the time to oppose the king. We need him like more than ever. This isn't the time to ignore the king. We need him. This is the time to surrender and bow down to the king. Because I am promising you, Jesus is coming back one day. And he's coming back as the righteous king. And the Bible says that he'll be riding on that horse. And king of kings and lord of lords is written on his vestibule. And he is coming back for his bride. And Jesus has you here tonight to receive him as king. And the moment you receive Jesus, the Bible says he takes up, I can't even imagine what that book looks like. I just can't imagine. When you say yes, he writes your name 
in the Lamb's book of life. It's written in heaven. You say yes to Jesus, boom, your name is written there. You stand before him, that great right throne. When you know Jesus, they're going to open up that book. Where are they at? There they are. They said yes to me on Christmas 2024. And your name will be written in that book. And I'm going to ask you today to make it right with Jesus. There's some in your, this room that are prodigal sons and daughters. It's time to come home. Jesus is saying, I love you. Welcome home. That some of you have maybe never really fully surrendered to Jesus. And that's awesome that you're here because you have the opportunity to say yes. Some of you are just maybe got bitterness and you need to forgive. I don't know where your heart is today, but Jesus' love and grace and mercy is here for you. And I want to give you that opportunity. Listen, you're not going to get it all right after you say this prayer. It's a journey, and we're going to come alongside of you, and we want to help you, and we have classes and material and discipleship and so much, but the most important thing that you can do is say yes. Because the Bible says you can't understand the things of the Spirit until you're born of the Spirit. So you're trying to figure things out that you're not going to get until you say yes by faith. Then the answers come. Then the truth comes. Then God's voice comes. It'll come in like a flood. Because he said, I'll never leave the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. So I'm going to ask all of us to say this prayer together, if you just would. All of us, for those who may be saying it for the first time or coming back home, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. I say yes for you to be the Lord of my life. Show me your way. Let me hear your voice. Show me your path. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. They're going to put a, a code up there. If you said yes to Jesus, take your phone out really quick because I don't want to leave you alone. I don't want to leave you stranded. You need someone to come alongside of you. We have a free gift for you. Click on that QR code. Send a text message that said, I said yes. That's all you got to say. Send a text message. I said yes. You'll receive a text message back. We're going to get in, in um, touch with you, get you a free gift. If you want more resources and discipleship, we don't want to leave you alone. Amen. If you don't have a home church, get in a home church. And this is one of the best ones I could think of. Hallelujah. Some of you are visiting from other churches. Praise God, you have great churches too. Find a home church where you feel home, where you can learn and grow and mature and hear the word of God. That will help solidify this walk with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a great big praise tonight.